We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to another episode of The Pod is the Roof. We got a special reaction for you guys today. Finally, third ranked opponent in a row, third big game in a row. We get to film an instant reaction. By the time you guys are hearing this, it'll be like 12 hours or so since the game concluded. But just know we're recording right after the game, baby, because we are hype. A huge win for UNC in Charlotte in the Jumpman Invitational. Yeah, this night um, in general for college hoops has been a disaster. Um, UConn loses to Seton Hall. Duke pulls it out against Baylor. UNC gets the dub. Creighton goes down to Villanova, which of course bodes well for UNC's resume. And it's just, you know, at this rate, Arizona's going to lose to Alabama. So, Riley, insane night. Great night for us, though. How are we feeling? I'm feeling great, man. It's, uh, yeah... The Duke-Baylor game, I will say, really high-quality basketball game. I'm sure a lot of Tar Heel fans tuned into that to hate watch a little bit. Um, Duke looks like they figured some things out, definitely offensively. I'll give it to them. There's way less iso ball, uh, way better ball movement than we saw from them early on. Got to throw it out there, a little Tyrese Proctor Ewing theory, maybe. Him him missing these last three games, Duke is what? I guess it, I can't remember if it's three or four, but they're undefeated in his absence, but – you know, I just got to give throw some barbs at our friends over at the uh, at the crazy cast. But, you know, as a whole, I'm good. It feels so good to hop on this call with you, um, see your perfectly groomed hair going on. Looks like you got a fresh cut recently. You're rocking a jump, man. Shout out to, shout out to you. I'm lacking. I just got my little workout Carolina hoodie uh, going. But, yeah, I think we, we, we do have to start by acknowledging the loss of Eric Montross. Um, I never got to meet him personally, but it's been really special to hear all these tributes come in. Um, I got a friend who was a walk-on and at, at Carolina during our time and said Montrose was his biggest mentor. And um, it's just, it's, it's, you see, you hear these stories and you, you, you understand it makes sense why it's such a hard loss for so many people in this program. Yeah. Um, it sucks. You know, obviously if you've been tapped into this feed for a while, you know, Shimon used to do the pod here and I produced for him. We had Montross on, met him in a Zoom call. Just like one of those guys, man, super down to earth, just always just radiated this great vibe, this great aura. Like, you know, they even talked about it on the broadcast a little bit, how he was just 
yeah, he was a great basketball player, but he was an even greater guy off the court. So it just sucks when you lose people like that, especially, you know, he wasn't too old. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just sucks when it's unexpected. I mean, you could kind of tell, I know they talked about this at the game too. They they talked to Hubert about it and they were like, how are you, how are you getting over this? And he literally responded, I'm not getting over this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sucks, but you know, it's, I do think that's definitely something where like the guys on this roster really need to take that into consideration mm-hmm. and like dedicate this season to him because that's a, that's a program legend. And based off the stories I've heard, probably a guy who was around the team a lot probably yeah. was there for all those guys. So like, you know, I just really hope that, that they really do play this season for Montrose, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, um, you know, you never want to downplay the loss of a life by talking about sports. It feels a little weird to even go into it right after that. Cause our, I mean, our heart, our thoughts, our condolences that go out to the Montrose family, to everyone affected by the loss. Um, there's really no words that can make it feel better. Uh, it's why things like, you know, Jimmy V week and Dick Vital, I know he's done a ton to raise awareness for cancer research. Um, and even seeing, you know, the, I think during Jimmy V week, there was that story from the athletic about how Hubert lost his mom to cancer. It's just awful disease that I think we've all been affected by in some capacity. I mean, I have some survivors in my family have friends who have, who have had close family members lost to cancer. So some of that touches us all. And yeah, I just ultimately want to give a shout out to, to all the great organizations that are raising money for cancer research, but also again, just extend our deepest condolences and our prayers and um, just our heart goes out to the Montrose family. Um, and I could, I, Absolutely. I, yeah. Carolina I, family, man, we got to stay strong. And I would like to say this too, for anyone who like religiously listens to the pod, um, it was purely, we would have done this earlier. It was purely a timing thing. Like we literally released the last episode and the news broke like 16 hours afterwards. Mm -hmm. It sucked. It was unfortunate timing. So that's why, you know, it's very important for us to come on here and talk about it now because that's just, you know, that's not something you can take lightly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we can, let's go ahead and get into some takeaways because I will say, um, Again, not to trivialize a loss of life or anything, but when you consider the emotional weight, the grief Hubert was dealing with, I thought he coached a, a great game. Um, that was one of my biggest takeaways, was just how aggressive he had this team playing in the first half when when you consider forcing 17 turnovers um, against a, an offense that you know hasn't been great. I think they were probably top 35 in the country on Kim Palm going into the year, but it's sort of known for their efficiency. That's something Harrison Ingram said uh, in the interview yesterday was they just play smart, they take care of the ball. And Carolina was able to get up under them a little bit. They were able to to press them. I know even that the second half down the stretch in a critical point, we saw Seth Seth Trimble force JV McCollum into a to really just dribble the ball out of bounds. Um, I thought he really got through to them, Hubert. That is as, as far as rebounding the ball. With you see Ingram responded with seven rebounds and only I think uh, he still ended up with thirty minutes. But uh, Baycott with eight boards, RJ got on the glass with four. Cormac had seven. Like. Uh, yeah, it is nice to see – well, a little frustrating that Oklahoma still won the overall battle, but at least Carolina was a lot – they were noticeably better on the glass too. Yeah, I think that the biggest point of emphasis for me is that the reduction in offensive rebounds, they only gave up 11 as mm-hmm. opposed to the 18 they gave up against Kentucky. But, I mean, honestly, like, the rebounding wasn't as noticeable tonight because the defense was so good. Like mm-hmm. you hold Oklahoma to 40% shooting 
that's a feat. I mean, they've played some really tough defenses and they've scored in the mid to high seventies, almost every time they've played those good defenses. So, I mean, this is a good offense. I thought UNC's effort defensively was incredible. Um, Trimble, man, is just, he's just a special, special defender. And he's clearly the best defender on this team, but Mm -hmm. he's also clearly a guy, you know, he finished tonight and only had five points, but he's just clearly a guy that I just have to shout out because this dude has etched his, his role. Like he is going to play 18 to 20 a night for the rest of the season because the uptick in open and hitting three point shots, especially open ones is massive. Like it, you know, last year if Trimble caught a wide open ball in the corner, I was like, I don't think he's going to make it this year. It's like, <laughs> Oh, this is cash. Like this is three points. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last year when Trimble caught the ball in the corner, it was like, he's, he's playing hot potato with it. <laughs> like He's yeah, not even looking at the rim. <laughs> it's just like, there's that factor. And the dude just literally, you know, it, it's kind of, and you know, I'm going to give a, give a Celtics example here. It's kind of how I used to feel about when Marcus Smart was on the court. Like the dude just does all the little stuff. He plays hard. He goes after every loose ball. Mm -hmm. He's an elite defender. You just can't keep him off the court. And I mean, yeah, it's a luxury to have to be able to to put him in the game. And, you know, you can run a three guard lineup with him in because he's more than capable of defending threes. Um, So, I mean, it's just, he, he was just so impressive tonight, man. But I, there was a lot. There was a lot of impressive tonight. Yeah, with Trimble, I just want to add, like, you can't take away what he did to transform his role this off season. Like, he's never played off ball in his life before. He's always been maybe not a pure point guard or a true point guard by any means, but he's always been a combo guard who's had the ball in his hands a ton. And the fact that he is reliable from the corner, like, and that three he hit tonight was in a big moment too. Um, yeah, defense has only gotten better and. My 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 lone critique is like, man, sometimes he just tries to take off so f- <laughs> he takes off <laughs> takes off for those dunks. Like <laughs> like you could probably take one or two more steps and really throw down on somebody and put someone through the hoop. Um, but you know, he draws contact a lot. He's been generally a good foul shooter, uh, free throw shooter. I know he missed his two tonight. Um, but yeah, he's he's been so impressive just figuring out a role. Um, and it is such a boon just to you know, after the bench usage these first two years to see a guy who can give you a reliable 15 to 20 minutes off the bench. Yeah, he almost like he scares me because he he plays with that jaw Morant reckless abandon when he's going to the basket and you're just so scared he's going to get hurt every time he elevates because he has no fear. And that's great. But at some point, you know, well, we don't want you to get hurt out there, Seth, but (laughs) I do respect it because you're an absolute freak athlete. Um, I do want to talk about this. I mean, obviously there's nothing but positive takeaways here. And I guess this is a negative that could also be perceived as a positive is that like they did this and we're just still not really getting good Mondo games. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, is this like a, do you think maybe this is just who Mondo ends up being this year? Or is it like a Mondo hasn't peaked and when he does, this team's going to be super scary. Yeah, I, I think like, you know, we, we've we've gone against uh, teams with a lot of size really in the non-conference. And uh, I know Jalen Moore and John Hughley and Sam Godwin, they're not like world beaters defensively. I will say, I mean, Oklahoma was a top 10 defense on Ken Palm coming into this game. Like they play really good defense, um, but he's just being guarded really tough, whether he's getting a lot of doubles thrown at him in the half court, like any 
and I don't know, again, like I, I've never claimed to be an X's and O's guru. I know Hubert likes to run a lot of sets. I don't know if they went away from that tonight. I, I will say it felt um, like a lot of what we saw with high ball screen action work in the 2021-2022 championship run. That was brought back out for RJ, um, which we can get to him in a second. But man, watching that dude operate out of ball screens is magical. Um but yeah, you know, a lot of sets. If you get a if you get a look for Mondo, he's getting double teamed. And he had some moments passing out of it today. He had that really nice assist. He had a cross court assist to someone for three. I can't remember if it was Cormac. He also made the RJ. big one where he called it. Um I think he caught it on the right. Either the right or left block got doubled, hit Ingram at the top of the key, wide open three. That was the one and, I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really good, really good passing. And I know he had a I mean, he had a bad turnover out of it in the the first half. It's it's something that um, you know, I'm sure that's been a point of emphasis for him and his development and what to work on. But if he can, you know, really cut back on those turnovers and give you one or two of those just like gorgeous passes a game, it'll really open up this offense even more. Um but, you know, I thought his effort on defense was great tonight. I think he had three or four blocks and was able to slide over as that secondary defender and, and, and cut off the basket. It's like we're just still – he's still getting out-rebounded more than you would expect, yeah. like losing some 50-50 battles, which is so weird to see. Um, I don't know. I know he mentioned the, the knee bothering him during the UConn game. Maybe he's still getting back from that. But, yeah, hopefully this layoff – we have nine days until the next UNC game can, can get him fully healthy and – Someone tells me he'll get a double double against Charleston Southern. Uh, yeah, I'd hope to that, build on to that going into conference play. Hey, first off, one of one from three, so I got to give him his props oh, from true, that. True. That corner that three crazy. was electric. But the other thing I would say is, you know, I'm I'm being critical of him because I know how good he is, right? And he's such a storied player, but I do think a lot of it has to do with scheme. You know, like. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason RJ is so hard to guard in the pick and roll is because Armando, when he slips, garners so much attention and it gives RJ that little sliver of space and that's all he needs. And he, mm-hmm. he elevates so well. And then, you know, if it, if he doesn't shoot it, then they didn't give enough attention to Mondo. Mondo catches it on the slip and there's usually a shooter wide open in the corner. So that RJ and Armando pick and roll is like the bread and butter right now. And it's seems damn near impossible to stop if I'm being completely honest with you but it's it's one of those things where this is where Mondo has to be big to me because guys are watching this non-con tape and as soon as we get into conference play it's probably going to be a lot of like blitzing and getting the ball Mm -hmm. out of RJ's hands that's when Armando is going to get it when he slips on single coverage and he's going to have to dominate and I think Mm -hmm. we just haven't got to see that yet because of the scheme a lot of these teams are playing so I honestly think he'll be fine. I do think a lot of it has to do with how people are guarding us. But man, let's just use that to segue into the man of man of the freaking year for UNC <laughs> basketball. Um, RJ Davis. I'm gonna give you a little ISO here. Just just go crazy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68, each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. Uh, <laughs> what can you like? What can you say, man? He's had just an insane seven-game stretch. I've tweeted it. I've said it. He's one of the best three guards in the country. Take your pick out of Tristan Newton, Isaiah Stevens, Braden Smith, Tyler Kolick, R.J. Davis, but put R.J. in the top three. <laughs> like he's he's having an All-American type season. Uh, wh- when's the last time we've had a guard who can just snake a pick and roll like that, or who uh, or snake a ball screen like make plays like even that that huge three when I think Oklahoma cut it to six that sort of served as the dagger. Um, yeah, he always makes his free throws. He's been good on the glass, had, I think, five assists tonight, making good decisions when he gets those ball screens blitzed. Like, yeah, he's he's a special offensive player. It's like the, the shake, the wiggle can get by anybody, get to the rim, really crafty finisher. Um, and he's just lethal when he relocates for a catch-and-shoot three. You know, I was talking to some UNC friends about this, some people I went to school with, some people who had – who didn't go to UNC, but they're diehard fans. And some people might crucify me for this opinion. However, I think I, I believe it to be true. I think RJ Davis is better than Joel Berry was. And that's no disrespect, but I just like outside of maybe defensively, I just can't think of anything Joel Berry does better than RJ on the offensive side of the court. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. Like, dude, he's he's literally like there. There is not a shot. It doesn't like. First off, all right, look, we don't we don't even talk about the degree of difficulty on some of these shots. The dude was full speed left, five feet out, off balance, going left, right hand float. When he made that shot, that's when I was like, all right, dude, like you're sick, you're disgusting. Yeah, we're it's, not losing, yeah. Like, I just don't know what you do with that because he's shooting at such a high clip from three. And on top of that, he is so quick and crafty. If you close out too aggressively, it's gone to the rim for a float. And I just don't know how anyone defends that. I don't see anyone holding him under 20 points a game unless it's a blowout and he gets pulled early. <laughs> He's he he feels pretty much unguardable. He um, does. To to your point about Joel Berry, Joel Berry's like one of my top two. He might have been my favorite Tar Heel of all time. But the man didn't really have a bag. He didn't really have wiggle. Uh, the fact that he was a Final Four MOP is a testament to his work ethic and intangibles, and to my goat Roy Allen Williams for getting the most <laughs> out of him. <laughs> like I don't think Joel ever played a second in the NBA. He had a couple G League years for the for the Swarm, but I'd be very surprised if RJ never logs an NBA minute. I know he's small, but you know there are plenty of small guards in the the NBA. Ish Smith has been in the league for what fifteen years and like twenty different teams. But you know if, if Ish Smith can hang around for a decade plus, surely RJ can at least get a year or two. I mean, the, the player comp for me right now. Now, I'm not going to say Kimba because he's not going to be Kimba. Like, mm -hmm. Kimba was different. I think a very fair player comp, though, is Frank Mason. Like, both small. Frank Mason mm -hmm. did play for the Kings for, like, three years, was actually in their rotation. But his senior year, he was just unguardable. And I think that's what we're seeing out of RJ. Like, it, I just – there's not a – if they can get, like, all right, Harrison Ingram was not, like, you know, absurd tonight. But the 11-7 and seven on 4 of 6 shooting, then you get the 13-7 and seven from Cormac on 4 of 10, and then you had Trimble hit his open look, then you had Cadeau facilitating. If Mondo gets back to what we've seen in the last two years, I just, like, there, like you can't tell me this team's not at least a title contender because the step one to winning a title is having a dude and they have the dude they're like i you know i mean we say top three guard like how can you dispute that he's a top 10 player in the country right now you can't and there's cats fix your list <laughs> <laughs> like I, I like the dude's averaging like 21 a game he's probably going to be at 22 after this one i don't see his average slipping below 20 and i mean i, I don't know i just don't like i don't see how you can deny it if you deny rj davis being a top 10 player in the country right now you're probably just a hater <laughs> like it's just <laughs> i mean i just don't know what else to say yeah, I mean, it might. I don't know. I'm still not ready to say it's going to stay above 20 all year. He's bound to have like one or two off nights. Um, but I mean, shoot, like seven is a seven game sample size. Like that's a a quarter of a season. Um, yeah, he's been he's been so good, man. It's it's everything that we could have hoped um, when he becomes like the guy in the backcourt. 
Um, okay, you you did mention Harrison Ingram. I did want to give him a shout out because he started out kind of slow, but man, yeah. he made some huge plays down the stretch Dude. between that three off the Armando the Armando double and that like I don't even what do you even call what he did with the shot clock winding down? I like, guess I would clock. call that like a <laughs> like a front leaning runner where he wasn't running because he jumped off his pivot. Like it, it, you know you know who takes that shot all the time in the NBA. Luca. Luca. It was that, one of those okay. it was one of those Luca shots where you're stuck and you just fall forward and I mean I genuinely like I wanted to talk about that because that looked like a dead possession, a terrible possession that was going to allow Oklahoma what was it 6 at the time? Yeah. It was going to allow Oklahoma to come down and, and get it to within 3 or 4 and I was mm-hmm. so scared. And then that happened. Yeah, I I will say the only real negative that I would take from this game is sort of maybe it was around after the the Armando three um, when Carolina was up 15, 12 to 15 in that range. Offense got a little stagnant. I think there was RJ picked up his third foul. Armando went to a ben- the bench for a couple minutes there. Um, and it was sort of Cadeau running the show. And, you know, Cadeau almost had like the the prototypical reclass freshman guard game um, mm-hmm. where you had some moments of brilliance where like he had some really, really tough finishes, one in transition, one I think out of a high ball screen. He sort of forced that, that step back long two, missed the one three he took, had I think uh, he only had two turnovers, but one of them was – I think uh, an unforced error. So it's just, just a mixed bag. And, you know, at the same time, you can say the the reason why that offense stagnated is because the two best, well, I know Armando was sort of in a funk, but yeah, like two of the best player, the, the best player on the team. And at worst, the third best player in the team. I don't even know if Ingram was in from that stretch. Now that I think about it, I can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, it was a bit of a tall task asking Cadeau and Cormac to, to carry the offense for probably what, like a five minute, four or five minute stretch there. I mean, that's, I just want to, I hope that's, that's the part of Trimble's game that we see come like late January is the Mm -hmm. scoring, because if he ever can score, then this team really, really, really goes to the next level. Um, So it's just like, bro, he, he garners no respect. Like they go under on screens. They know Mm -hmm. he's not going to hit. He's a 55% free throw shooter. That's the only part of his game that he needs to improve. Other than that, I really don't have anything bad to say about Cadeau. Um, one last shout out to our guy. No points, but the Zayden High minutes were quintessential tonight. He was good. Dude, he was all over the place. And also the whistle on him was terrible. It's they it's called high. some bad fouls. They did. And <laughs> it was like an Isaiah Hicks type whistle where it's like, oh, Zayden's motor is too high. He's got to be <laughs> fouling somebody. Um yeah, I was glad to see him get 12 minutes. Uh, he's someone who, you know, I would if if I was on the coaching staff, I would like prioritize him just because, again, no intel here, but the the transfer portal is always calling those former top 100 guys who aren't getting minutes. Um, still think he needs to get his lower body stronger. He had he had one offensive rebound where he got stuffed at the rim. Um, where I'm like, man, just dunk it. Like you're one of the better athletes on this team. Like I, I think he's pretty explosive or has that somewhere in there where maybe it is just either mental or 
some of his lack of strength just because he still is a freshman and is getting exposed playing against a, a more physical team like Oklahoma. But yeah, it was, it was really nice to see Hubert extend his leash a little bit and trust him, trust Seth. Um, and, and I know Washington only got five minutes, but you know, he had that dunk. That was nice too. Hey, um, Jalen Washington is a per 36 goat. His per 36 numbers are like <laughs> 28 and 14. Cause he plays, he plays like seven minutes a night and just gets like four to eight points and two to right. four rebounds. I actually thought his he held his own defensively better tonight than he did it against Kentucky too. Um, he still, I still get worried about UNC's rim protection whenever he's in the game, just because he's he really needs to bulk up and he especially against like. I mean, I'm kind of surprised Hughley didn't just like post him up and put him in a blender because Hughley's a big old boy who has yeah. he has a little bit of a bag for a big. Um, but yeah, bench play as a whole, no qualms for me as far as the rotation Hubert trotted out, um, the production he got out of then. Again, the only negatives I would say, got to clean up the late game defense and got to find ways to avoid those droughts when RJ goes to the bench. Um yeah. yeah, you can't stagnate I mean, like they did tonight. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in zero sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I do think Zayden probably does take the Withers minutes mostly from here on out, which I think he should. Also, I'm going to go back and watch film from every Louisville game last year because I do not believe he actually shot 41% from three. I'm sorry. I don't believe his, it. His form is really funky. It, 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 it seems it, like it's, it's got to be fake. Body. Kenny um, Payne must have logged the stats in wrong or something. I mean, <laughs> it's I, add I it to the know. list of his blunders. Yeah, uh, add, <laughs> add it to the list of but, saying dudes are transferring and calling dudes out for not wanting to wear certain tights. Um, I I felt for <sighs> there's just because like he had some he made that little uh that hook shot with his right hand like in yep. the first couple minutes. He had that really nice block like, but it's just he I don't. I, I'm like, is it too late for him to clean up? Like, it seemed like Hubert was really upset with that second foul on a three-point shooter. Because um, it's like you had those three good plays in a row, and then it's like, oh, nope, foul, three-point shooter. Do it again. And I don't, he didn't get back in the game after that. Like, That seems to be the trend, though. It's like, it's not that he's bad the whole time he's out there. If he plays six minutes, he's good for – four and a half and then it's like the last minute and a half is a complete implosion and mm -hmm. I hate it because I like you know I actually want to see him do well and maybe he does figure it out at some point because he is a vet maybe like midway through conference play he figures it out but I mean I think Zayden gets those minutes um it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what happens if we do get into a game in like February and either Armando's like say hurt or he or he gets a, gets in really early foul trouble, like three fouls in the first half, where it goes from there. Because at mm -hmm. this point, I think it's all matchup dependent. Um, but yeah, I mean I didn't really have a problem with, with the with the bench play in totality. I thought it was I thought it was a good effort, and I do agree with what you're saying. I mean, T 
to me, the flaw remains the same is like substitutions or not when UNC has a big lead and they try to slow the game down, they just suck offensively. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know. Like I, I get, you know, you gotta, there, there comes points in time where you got to dribble out the entire shot clock mm-hmm. and, and pick your spots. But I mean, maybe they just don't need to do that till like the last two minutes. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it's bad. Cause you look at the, the rough, like the, the drought you're talking about, yeah, certain guys were on the bench, but it's also like from the seven-minute mark to the four-minute mark, it was slow, stagnant offense. Mm-hmm. And it's like we don't need to be milking clock at the seven-minute mark. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that, again, the only other – well, yeah, the only other critique I would add, uh, only nine assists tonight. And I think some of that, when you have RJ cooking, I'm not going to complain about that when he's – playing on a ball screen, sitting off the dribble threes, getting him off the catch, finishing at the rim. You live with it. Um, but I would I, I would like to see a little more of that Armando playmaking we've seen on the short roll, or he's been really good out of give and goes with Cormac. Um, Elliot only had one assist. Like, and even in transition, there was I thought there were some blown opportunities. Seemed like a couple easy passes were uh, messed up or just a miscommunication here, miscommunication there. Um I think they finished with, yeah, Carolina had 23 fast break points tonight compared to just nine for Oklahoma. So you take that, you know, you take that all day, especially against a top 10 opponent. Um, But it just feels like there's a a little few extra steps, uh, a little bit more chemistry, a little bit something to be cleaned up. And this team has a chance to be, you know, I'm afraid I'm hesitant to use the, the E word to say that that Carolina can be elite. Um, I still think they're they're some of the holes on the roster as far as athleticism, uh, particularly on the perimeter, makes me think that I'd be surprised if Carolina gets to be like a top five team, um, top ten team. Yeah, I think that's in our near future. Um, like you're saying, I could see a world where they get to the Final Four. I'm not ready to go national title yet, but I could see a world where they they make it back to the Final Four. Um, but yeah, that that's I'd like to yeah. see the, the transition just cleaned up a little bit more, and this team could really be something special agreed and i mean you know i say that because that's been the formula you know elite senior point guard typically leads to march success they do have an age advantage on a lot of teams they're very experienced and seasoned um so i think that bodes well for them before we go i do want to point this out that me and you said nine and three in the non-con so uh shout out to us for being right the pot is the roof with yet another accurate prediction Okay, okay. Um, we can't we can't take our victory lap yet. We still got to beat Charleston Southern. Okay, listen. If we lose to Charleston Southern, I don't even know if I'll record another episode of this podcast. We might, I might, t- have we to might need quit. to take a little month off or something. Yeah, it, we're, we're just... gonna have to go. We're gonna have to take a sabbatical if we lose to Charleston Southern because <laughs> there's they're three and eight. There's just no way that should happen. And but, they just um, fired. They fired their coach like two weeks ago. It's it's rough, man. I mean, they Ray should blow them dude. out. They're going to be nine and three. They're going to be top 10 going into conference play. Mm -hmm. So can't complain, but I'm assuming we probably, you know, the holidays are coming up, so we're not going to be recording anything there. We probably won't see you guys until we do a conference preview. But since that is the case, Riley, nine and three, most likely nine and three. I'll I'll pump the brakes a little bit. (laughs) Most likely going to be a top 10 team coming into conference play. What would you grade, scale of 1 to 10, the non-con for these UNC Tar Heels? Hmm, 
Great question. <laughs> oh man. If you had told me like going into your nine and three, a top 10 ranking, I would be like, yes, sign me up for that. <laughs> I'd be like 10 uh, out of 10. Yeah. I would be a 10 <laughs> out of 10. I think like, I didn't expect Harrison Ingram to be this good. Um, I didn't expect RJ to be a 20 point per game score. I thought he'd be like 17 ish. And I think seeing the ceiling of this team, like you, you go back to that first half against Tennessee, which was just like the most fun we've had watching UNC basketball in two plus years, probably. Um, I think that makes me want to be a harder grader and be like seven and a half to eight, because it would have been really nice to have either just one of those Villanova or Kentucky wins. Um, especially the Kentucky win would have been really good to have, but yeah, I'll, I'll stick with an eight. Um, and the best part is this win Think it'll stay quad one all year. Tennessee's gonna stay quad one. Arkansas, I I still believe in the must bus. I think he's gonna get them dudes hooping. Neutral court helps as well, should be a quad one. And if we can get if we yeah, if, if our if our non-con has three Q1 wins, that's a great place to be in going into a much maligned ACC. Cause you know all the talking heads, uh all the folks at the field of 68, Jeff Goodman and Rob, Do- I, I actually feel like Goodman and Doss are pretty fair to the ACC. I just wanted to call them out. <laughs> hey, my there boy T.O. be holding it down for us. Uh, T.O. will definitely hold it down after dark. T.O. will be saying like the ACC is a 10-bid league. But <laughs> but yeah, going into, going into conference play, having three Q1 wins is a really good place to be. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Eight would be my exact rating. And to be honest, I would go 10 if they were 10 and two and the only losses were to Kentucky and UConn. Mm -hmm. The Villanova loss is really the only reason. And yes, they did just beat Creighton, but I still just after watching Villanova play against teams that reside in the same city as them, there's no reason that UNC (laughs) should have lost to that team. But I mean, look at the end of the day, after what we went through last year, man, I don't care. Nine and three. We're we're not missing the tournament this year unless the whole team gets injured. I, I will pretty confidently say that. I mean, after last year and what we went through, man, it just feels good to be back to like a place of of a little bit of pedigree, and mm-hmm. that, I can't complain about that. So I'm, I'm very happy, feeling very blessed to be nine and three. Um, then we, then we go to Pitt, man. So we'll see. Pitt's been kind of a thorn in our side, so we'll see how that goes. But like I said. Guys, we will not be back until after the holidays, and we will be smacking an absolute banger of a conference preview on you guys, <laughs> and of course, preview in game one itself. But yeah, in the meantime, man, everyone, if you celebrate, if you're listening to this and you do celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas, hang out with your families, have a good time, just enjoy the presents, both gift wise and the the presence of your family members. And yeah, just, you know, drink some hot cocoa, drink some spiked eggnog, whatever you get into. Riley, any lasting words before we get out of here? Uh, Go back and listen to our Christmas treat draft and pick your your favorite one to indulge in. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, I'm good to sign off, man. All right, we will see you guys. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night.
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.